Well, hello, podcasters. This is your host, Mimi Jacks, welcoming you back to another episode of Improper Mimi, where we talk about some of the very things that have helped to empower women in aspects of their lives, whether it's at home, work, or play. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. So today, podcasters, we have two special guests with us, and I'm excited to talk to them because they are two of the Black women I know who are interested and passionate about growing their own food and farming and, you know, the history of farming in the United States and um, having your own garden and the importance of growing your own food. So I'd like you ladies, if you could each introduce yourself and then tell me why you are so passionate about growing your own food. I am Michelle. Mimi's first cousin. <laughs> That's right. Uh, um, I grew up out in the country farming and hunting. And it wasn't until about 10 years ago that I started living back in the city. Um, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Um, you know, born and raised in the country and on farms and everything. Um, I guess that's where my passion comes from because I grew up that way, born that way. It's, mm-hmm. as they say, dirt and mud is in my blood, I guess mm-hmm. you would say. Mm-hmm. But um, like my grandfather told me when I was little, you know, don't rely on any man to feed you here's a gun you can skin and hunt down your own food so you'll never go hungry (laughs) i don't know where what is in grocery store food so like now that you know they're using all sorts of stuff and a lot of meat is being imported which is all right it's fine but for me personally i want to know where my source is i guess Oh, that's good. So I guess it's my turn. My name is Candice, and um, I am a friend of so wonderful Mimi, um, living on the West Coast. I recently transplanted from Atlanta, Georgia, after about 15 years of living there, and moved back to the West Coast where all my family lives. And, you know, I started a garden. Mm. Um, I started a garden in my kitchen. Because I wanted to have food. Um, And, you know, because the coronavirus, you know, we were very specific in making sure to get fresh foods Mm -hmm. so that we could cook. And um, so, you know, if it comes to survival, I will be able to grow my food. I probably won't be able to eat no meat and I'll just be a vegetarian because I'm not going to be killing nothing, you know, (laughs) except for intruders. So I'm not going to, don't, if you want meat in your dishes, you need to go see Michelle because I'm not going to be killing the rabbits and the deers. I'm just going to let them live, stay away from my garden. Right. And yeah. be fine. That'll get old. So we'll keep on the, the, the fruits and the vegetables and the stuff that we could grow in the ground, you know, to make us happy and sustain our bodies. Um, so one thing I'm curious about is what is something, what's one of the first things that you guys ate that you actually grew yourself? 
either you grew in your family's garden or do you remember what that first thing was? Like when we were little? Yeah. So I know like Michelle, when we were growing up, we would go into our grandmother's, you know, backyard and there was a garden there and she had tomatoes and um, cucumbers. And, yeah. Strawberries. Blueberries and, and raspberries <laughs> and uh, corn and tomatoes Look at that big old smile. Just just those memories coming back of like, "Mm, mm-mm, good. (laughs) I think the first thing I ate in that garden, in Grandma Didi's garden, was um, probably the the wild raspberries that grew in the back behind the willow tree. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the first thing I ate there. In Georgia, the first thing I ate on Great Grandma's farm was, in her garden, was um, the peaches out of her peach trees. Mm. I would climb up in them and just make myself sick. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Too many peaches. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Candace? Do you remember anything that you used to eat out the garden? Um, so growing up, my mom always kept a garden and, um, we always had like squash, cucumbers, and tomatoes. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, cucumber, we just ate the cucumber, but like the squash and tomatoes always got to turn into squash, tomatoes, onions, and garlic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to date, we still eat that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my word. Oh my goodness. So are you on a farm now? No, I don't have a farm. Oh, okay. I, I, I would consider just... myself more of an urban gardener. Urban gardener. I started, yes, I started planting. Yes, yes. Started planting, having that love for and wanting to see it grow. Shoot. And I that did. Yeah. And I had a whole bunch. Did you start your seeds yet? Oh yeah, my seeds have already started. Oh, so, um, mm-hmm. well, I have, um, <laughs> I, I have a whole plethora, right? So uh-huh. I'm in the process of building the raised garden, um, okay. and that, of course, has been more of a challenge than not. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know what it is with raised gardens, but I, I've been trying. And I don't know if I'm putting down the right bedding. Probably not. So I know you're going to have to back up because I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that is. What a raised garden? A rose garden? Okay. Like rose so bushes? a raised garden. No, 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 not rose. Raised. R-A-I-S-E-D. Yeah. Like up, up, up high. Yes. Like exactly. you raised the roof it with, with wood. Yes. You would build it with wood like a you know. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, those things in parks that are around the tree, even though I don't believe in planting around trees, but (laughs) you know, sometimes you'll see like in like, um, Capitol halls, you'll see like the concrete blocks and then they'll have flowers on top and then the tree in the middle. That's the raised garden, that concrete Mm. block thing. Mm -hmm. Or like if I had a pallet, would that be a um, 
I don't know, if I put dirt on top of a pallet, would that be a raised garden? Essentially, yes, but you would want to put something around the edges of the pallet because it's just going to be dirt on a pallet falling off the pallet. This is why I need to ask these questions. <laughs> so think of a raised garden like an like a ottoman mm-hmm. for plants. Ooh, yeah. You want to yeah. lift it up off the ground like you want to lift up your legs off the ground. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, my reasoning, is because I have a beast and a bandit, which is a pit bull and a king corso. And I'm trying to get it off of their pee site as well as climbability. So I'm trying to put certain mechanisms in place so that they're not able to just, you know, destroy it. Yeah. I'm still in the putting nails in wood stage. So, (laughs) I am the primal urban gardener because I'm basic, right? So, I'm going to go get stuff to make a raised garden because my plants are growing out of control in the pots. And I'm like, it's time to put them outside. So, Mm -hmm. I go to Home Depot, talking to the guy in the garden section. He's telling me about his garden and, you know, giving me all this advice. And so, then he asked me, he's like, well, how, you know, um, how many seeds did you plant? And I was like, well, you know, the packet of seeds? (laughs) He's like, yeah. I said, I opened it and I dumped it in the dirt and I put (laughs) water. Uh And he laughed so hard so a hundred off (laughs) (laughs) he was like you're supposed to plant like three seeds oh (laughs) right so Uh i have all these intermingling of seeds is happening and i'm like maybe i should put it in the ground because it's going like crazy what are you growing um let's see uh the things that are growing uh, or well, I'll just go down the list. I have corn, cucumber, uh, sweet peppers, green beans, mm-hmm. uh, carrots, onions, tomatoes, watermelon. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been growing the avocado from seed for about six months, at least six months. And so I've been looking for um, another seeds to grow with it so that it will actually produce some fruit but it has two stem two 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 branches so I'm really excited yeah. about that so I just planted oh, wow. that um, okra spinach uh, two different types of lettuce um, trying to get my garlic to grow I have sweet potato that was just here that started sprouting and so mm-hmm. I just plant I just you know put it in water to grow yeah. it um that's right let's see basil basil dill uh parsley and I think thyme mm. and I think that's it that is a lot you didn't do to the three sisters you said corn but you didn't do um and you said beans but you didn't do squash I have squash that I haven't planted yet. Oh, so I was going to put the squash, corn. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, what I was do you mean? Like what, in the garden. The three sisters is like a Native American folklore thing, where you grow the corn. The corn is the stock or the pole for your beans to grow, mm-hmm. and the squash nourishes all three. So it's like a. So then like you a- have. 
it's like a harvest thing. So then you have, it's like a winter garden type of thing. So you have food for the fall into the winter. Mm. Oh my God. So corn. So I need to do the corn next to the green beans and the squash. Yeah. Oh, that is like, I totally just got a picture of that. Uh, I'm very, I'm very excited about it. That when the corn, you know, when you harvest your corn, the beans have already used the pole to climb. So you don't need stakes for your beans. The pole, the stalk of the corn is the pole and the squash when it comes later in the fall has already nourished the corn and the beans to grow. So you've already harvested the corn and the beans. So last is the squash that you would take. Oh, I'm so excited. I and love then that. You're, you're, for prosperity for your garden, you should have the witch's brew, which is thyme, rosemary, and lavender. And that's supposed to bring abundance. <laughs> Okay. Not only to your house, but to your to your garden. Oh yeah, I was looking for lavender. I don't remember if I bought any, but I was looking specifically for lavender. I have time, and I need to go get some rosemary. Oh okay, oh, yeah. Because I'm growing okra, um, string beans, snap beans, and um, I have my rosemary, thyme, and lavender, oh. and. Um, two different types of tomatoes and um, um, spring peas. Peas. And I hate them, but my mother loves them. (laughs) And um, collard greens. And what, what else are we doing? We tried potatoes, but our soil isn't right the acidity mm. or something in our soil just won't let them grow. Any root vegetables grow here. So I don't know if I should put them in a pot to see if they'll grow. I don't know. Oh. But right now I took the the bottom of my Boston lettuce and I've been growing those. Mm. Um, and then I'm going to put those in the ground and see if they go. You guys are so amazing. So how big is your farm? No, I live in the city right now. Oh, okay. Now I grew up. On a, in the country, like like Mimi was afraid. <laughs> even there was not nothing afraid. out there. She I'm wouldn't just, even come. <laughs> she I'm just wouldn't even, She was so afraid of my house. <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous. Now the farm that I lived on when Mimi visit, we grew hay for our neighbors' horses. Now, have you ever heard of anybody growing hay? Yeah, like me. I, I, <laughs> is, okay, so what is, is hay like, um, okay, so I know hay, but like, is hay like related to like weed or something? Like, how do you just grow hay? What? What is wrong with you? Isn't hay just like weeds? Like you just cut down the weeds and then no. you feed it to the cows or something? No, no. not weeds, wheat, wheat. Oh, no. wheat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not like Look. Wheat. Not like wheat. It, it kind of looks like it when it's tall and you're far away. Mm-hmm. It does look like wheat. But we grew alfalfa hay, which is hay that mm. you fed your horses. It wasn't bedding hay. Bedding hay is 
you know, the dry, uh, crackly, you know, hard stuff. That's stuff for to lay on the bed. To lay on the bed of your stalls. Right. Oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. So very similar. (laughs) But we grew alfalfa hay. That was hay that you used to feed your livestock or your um, horses or whatever. So, okay. So, as a city person here, I'm going to pretend like I'm a city person, but I kind of grew up in the country. But no, I really am more of a city person. Uh, do you think that farming is safe for black people? Because aren't, aren't black people, aren't most farms like out in the country isolated? Like you're out there by uh, yourself? There are black farmers already. There's a black farmers association that is trying to work with the federal government to get their proper uh, stimulus loan, I guess, or whatever the stimulus thing that they're trying to get for agriculture yeah but there is a black farmers association it's not very big but it is you know it's there yeah (laughs) and also you have to think about the farmers that are like really professional farmers have acres they have acres and acres so like if Mm -hmm. there is you know uh let's just say a hundred acre lot you know two farmers could have it you're gonna know who your neighbor is yeah yeah and you're gonna be aware of your neighbor and any anything unusual, you know, happening. And hopefully, the goal is to to be in good relations with your neighbor. But you're gonna know yeah. who's around you. It's not gonna be, you know, nobody strange and trust. If you coming on a fifty acre lot and I don't <laughs> know you, you coming to endanger me as a farmer. I should I know how to formally, formally uh, yeah. protect myself. Uh-huh. As a farmer. They will come they, to they the do the actual hunting and gathering, okay? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hunting yeah. and gathering. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I probably feel safer at a black farmer's place than anybody else. <laughs> That's true. But black farming is very small though. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the smaller farms that are hurting right now. And they actually, well, not not or well yeah they're they're the ones hurting but there are other small farms that are not and sadly to say they are the white smaller farms Mm -hmm. because they have a different access to legislation to get them to um to get their money they have a a different privilege it it, Mm. it, almost like that yeah i believe Mm -hmm. But that's my opinion. Yeah, I'm, we're we're at the we're at the bottom of the totem pole, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And we could even like fact check it too, because I would I would think that very similar to like entrepreneurs and other businesses, even in the city, where they're expecting you know the government to help out small businesses, that it may have to do with like banking or with the loans that they have, or if they got loans from their family instead of a banking institute, then the banking institute can't really provide them relief or support on their loans because they got loans from their family. And so maybe for like some of the smaller black farms or Latino farms that are in the country, then they may not have like you say, the same representation and access to the relief funds from the government either, you know, so that would be 
Mm-hmm. That would be interesting to know too. That's also something to, yeah, that's also something to think about. The NBA, Mimi has an NBA. I'm just an education. M- Michelle, I have, you be educating me. I know, I'm like, she's a rich. I'm, I'm just a lowly high school teacher. You're just an education, so you're in constant research. Yeah. She'd be knowing everything. That's what that means. I'm just a lonely high school teacher. (laughs) But, you know, when I think about that on the side of business, right, and you think about, or I have to think about it in a way that says, okay, how, what is, what is the leveling? How do you level the playing field? Mm -hmm. And how do you level the playing field for farmers and Mm -hmm. especially black farmers? And then you have Mm -hmm. to go back and think, okay, historically, how we've done business, you know, yeah. as black people, yeah. you know, are we doing it on the same, you know, threshold that counterparts are doing it? So like when I was living in Georgia, you know, um, it was easy for me to access information about different farms, yeah. smaller farms that were servicing the public. And a lot of these smaller farms had shops um, mm-hmm. Or the ones that I know about, like one in particular, like in Atlanta, right outside of Atlanta, um, mm-hmm. had a shop on the on the location. Mm-hmm. Um, they sold their produce, their goods, as far as like the cheese and the butter. They yeah. even sold meat. Yeah. And, you know, they had a website. They had recipes they were sending out. They sent out emails. Yeah. They had, you know, blast marketing for everything. And I can tell you, you know, from looking at them versus black farmers and going to a black farmers website, the black farmers may have the website, uh-huh. but that's about it. I'm <laughs> not able to get any more information and on what they mouth. have. Mm-hmm. It's word of mouth for black farmers. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah, so, somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so how do you level the playing field if you're not even putting yourself out there because, you know, we're not going to get political maybe possibly we'll see but you know the socioeconomic uh problems of being a black american right Mm -hmm. so my grandparents uh once i'm sorry my grandparents on both sides came from texas Mm -hmm. um my great grandparents and grandparents they was all living in texas and Mm -hmm. up until the point that uh right before my father was born so that's probably the late 1950s was when they moved no my mom's side moved before my mother was born so that was the late 1950s right my dad's side moved after my dad was born so and we're talking about sharecroppers on both sides into Mm -hmm. the 60s yeah which means they didn't own the land Mm -hmm. Uh black sharecroppers in the 60s not having any rights or access to Mm -hmm. what these farmers Mm -hmm. who are probably suffering or getting the you know the stimulus packet that are owning the land while it was my grandparents working the land yeah Mm -hmm. yeah see my great-grandparents who i grew up with in georgia in rural georgia they had a little farm too but they did not own that even little parcel and they had five acres. They didn't even own that little five acres that they were farming. And it was devastating to watch growing up. But that was even in the 80s. So oh, yeah. it's different from northern farmers than southern farmers, too, we have to say. It's different. This is family farms that have been passed wow. down for hundreds of years. Yep. Even as sharecroppers, that is 
generations that have been sharecropping, you know, until, you know, you get to now where nobody even wants to farm. No one. Yeah. Unless they were born into farming. Yeah. Are you going to leave Brooklyn to come out back to uh, (laughs) Wilberforce to to do Grandpa Glenn? Well, you know, that might be a difficult (laughs) path. Nobody wants to do it. I mean, I would definitely like to come back and experience maybe a summer of farming or maybe send the kids back so that they could do some farming. But I think it's important for the family to maintain the history and the legacy of the farming within the family. But I'm probably not the best person to do that myself. (laughs) You got to stand up and be the change you want to see. <laughs> we got to be the change we <laughs> oh, want to see in the world. There you go, Gandhi. Right? <laughs> From 1910 to now, like in 1910, there was 14% of the farmers were like African-American. Mm. And now mm. today, it's closer to 2%. Yeah. So you can even yeah. see the shift in, you know, the last, you know, 100 years yeah. of, you know, like you were talking about going from sharecroppers to still some people sharecropping and not owning the land, mm-hmm. but just the, as people moved up north and, you know, they were, you know, you know, moving from the south, going up north and some of that farming started to dwindle or to, you know, definitely fade out for African-Americans in the U.S. Because we had to find other ways to survive. You know, my great-grandfather, my papa, when they left Texas and went to Oklahoma, um, he had to find a way to survive. So, you know, I'm sure that I know they had a farm because we have land in Oklahoma. But, you know, it's one of those things of like, it's not not what he was doing before. And, you know, you got all these children. So how do you make sure that, um, you know, your family is doing better? And then you're coming, you know, post you know, Juneteenth, uh, you know, of slavery into slavery. And how do you, um, you know, how do you live, right? Like, these are issues that, okay, 1865. So, you know, a little 150 years maybe ago, but it's still a a, a very prominent issue today. So we can't even... You know, a, we can't acknowledge the numbers of 2% of farmers without acknowledging how much time we spent farming and then own the land. Well, and then have access. Only options. Right. Farming or farming or <laughs> farming. Farming or being a midwife or a teacher. Mm. Or building railroads. Or building the railroad. Mm. But at least farming fed us. Like, yeah, it breaks my heart that even though farming isn't like this huge cool thing anymore, mm-hmm. um, it breaks my heart that I look at my students and I'm like, you know, I'm going fishing this weekend. I'm going to get me oh, some yeah. fish and scale and you know, <laughs> and they're looking at me like, what? Right. I'm like, yeah, you know, my tomatoes didn't come in. I'm trying to. P.O., you know, Miss Carr, take that. <laughs> You're like, don't you get it from the store? Mm, mm. No, right. Mm. And that's probably why doing it at home is yeah. the best possible solution, you know, because, um, you know, my family here in Arizona is very excited about 
me starting this garden and they want to see how it's going to go. And even the process, they're just excited about the process. And, you know, and I'm getting more buy-in from them and participation from them just from my effort of trying. So, you know, I see the value in farming. Um, Mm -hmm. Would I buy land to farm? I absolutely would. Like I'd want to be a local community farmer. Absolutely. And, Mm -hmm. and, and think about it that way. Um, Because the goal is always to have land, you know, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, have land, have shelter, have food. Land is gold. Land is gold. Yep. Land is the only gold that you can't, that won't lose value. Yep. Whoever controls your food basket controls your destiny. So if you can grow your own food, then you don't have to depend on others. Would you actually, if you had the opportunity to buy land and farm, you know, for yourself? And um, I know, Michelle, you you have mentioned that before, because I think that's the first thing that kind of piqued my interest about farming was you're like, yeah, I want to have a farm. And I was like, what? (laughs) She's like, yeah, you should come with me and let's go have a farm. And I'm like, how? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I said we could live together and we could farm together. I could raise horses in Buffalo. We could sell the Buffalo meat. I'd come get your buffalo because it will be me. And see, that's where she probably lost me. <laughs> no, I'd come eat. I'd come <laughs> eat Michelle's buffalo because it would be prepared. It'd be in plastic on a little styrofoam plate, right? Already and I just filled, pick yeah. it up. <laughs> Already cooked and ready for you. Yeah, put on the freezer. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, some people have said that they want to have a garden during this time. So I actually reached out to a few friends and asked them, What fascinates you about growing your own food? One of my sisters responded and said everything. The miracle that it grows is astonishing to me. All that walk by my flower garden say that they don't have a green thumb. Last I checked, neither do I. I figure I take rides out to the farm just so I can be certain that I am getting the best and freshest fruits and veggies with the least amount of chemicals. When in actuality, you just don't know. Watching the plant grow, Smelling the freshness as you pick it from the plant, the sizes, shapes, colors, gives me confidence I'm doing something right. If things continue to stop being monitored by the EPA, and if the FDA continues to release all from being accountable for how they grow, make, or what can be added without considering the health of the people purchasing the food, we are all going to get sick and suffer. Therefore, as a responsible steward of the earth, I can empower myself by growing my own food and teach my family to do the same. I'm exercising my right to eat good, clean veggies and herbs without causing mental, emotional, and physical harm to myself. You asked why I was enthusiastic about gardening and growing my own food during the pandemic. And I really wouldn't use the word enthusiastic, more so I would say compelled to action um, because we, I think the pandemic has shown people how much they don't actually control about their lives. Um, and one of the central things that people don't control is their food supply. I was raised in a family where stories of gardening are very um, central to the sensibility of surviving as people of color, um, poor people of color. Gardening is for security, and in those times, in these times, we should all be accessing or uh, striving to 
learn how to garden and exercise that bit of autonomy and control. So I do think that at all times, literally, when things are good, um, as well as when they're uncertain, people, especially people of color, should be practicing and not relinquishing or running away from our uh, legacy, history, and relationship with the earth, with gardening and agriculture, because uh, even though it was bastardized and made bad for us, it is best for us. What fascinates me about growing my own food is that I know what I'm growing. I know where it comes from. I know um, that it's healthy for me. Um, I love being able to get my hands on the soil. And because I'm an herbalist, I'm happy to be able to grow my own local herbs to use them in some of the products um, that I give to other people and that I sell. Um, so yeah, that's what fascinates me about it. Um, thanks. There are corners and stuff in Brooklyn where they have urban gardens, mm -hmm. where they'll sell the fruit and vegetables in the summer. You could go there, walk through the garden. Usually kids are working there too, so they understand and they learn, you know, where food comes right. from. Because that's one thing I think a lot of our youth really don't know. Like you were saying about your students, they're like, what, you don't get yeah. it from the store? <laughs> you know, they don't really know where we get our fruit, our vegetables it's from. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It really is heartbreaking that even mm -hmm. from my age, my age generation has just completely um, diminished that ability to grow your own food or have a garden or just even going out fishing mm -hmm. or going mm -hmm. outside. I mean, who goes outside now like to play after yeah. school? To, to even mm. run around, take your shoes off, run around in the grass and go tramping mm -hmm. in the woods and stuff. None of my students do that. Your students ain't doing that, but you know, <laughs> like us and our, our, us as adults, we're not doing that either. And you know, that has probably been mm -hmm. a saving grace for me is being able to, you know, find that oneness, right? Mm -hmm. With the earth. With the because earth. Yeah. because I'm locked up in the house or I'm supposed to be and mm -hmm. you know I'm supposed to be quarantined <laughs> and so that's the thing that's like okay well how do I get back in touch because you know they always say you center yourself you put you you go outside you stand in the sun you have bare feet and you just mm -hmm. center yourself yeah and so that's this right. has been a, mm -hmm. a centering for me to be like you know what it grows if it doesn't grow I'll replant it and they'll grow again because the constants are, you know, sunlight or water and space. So as yeah. long as there's sunlight, water and space, yeah. there's going to be yeah. an opportunity for something to grow. And so if nothing grows out of the seeds in which I planted this, this so far, it doesn't really matter because I have more seeds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And more I, seeds, more we, water, we more sun. Apocalypse. <laughs> what did you say? Said, Unless we die of an apocalypse and the sun becomes just fire. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> just fire. <laughs> the sun just burns up everything around us, and then there ain't no. We don't have any money. What to do? <laughs> oh my goodness, Candice, what is your opinion on what is happening with the farmers throwing out milk and corn and 
um, all those products. The, so what's your opinion on that? Because you know that legislative that was passed with the MCOOL legislative, did you read about that? Um, I heard about it. I didn't read um, because I was familiar with it. Um, you know, it, you have a few issues, in my opinion. One being that, you know, the U.S. can supply food for the whole world. That's right. So let's ask the question of how much food are we actually supplying? And I think that the fact that the fact that farmers are throwing out food, it tells how much food we're supplying. Because when I go to the grocery store, right, mm-hmm. when this all started going to the grocery store, there was no toilet paper. There was no paper towels. There was no mm-hmm. napkins. You know, hell, there was no paper plates. You know what I'm saying? The plastic bags was going away. <laughs> you know, the mask, all of those things. You know, but nobody was hand buying sanitized. anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were they were buying meat, but they was buying it in their regular quantity. They're like, I don't need to stock up for four months. Right. I'm gonna buy this steak, and then and when now, they came back, yeah, there was still steak. But yeah. now they're hoarding meat. Yeah. Now they're starting to st- stack up on that. And it's like, you know, it doesn't really seem to make a difference because I, I don't think that we will hit um, like the food desperation level in the U.S. Um, that other parts of the world will receive because the U.S. is the supplier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's nonprofits that save food from being thrown out as trash. Right. And so I go to yeah. the ones in Arizona that do the fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. I'm getting six, seven, eight boxes of fruits and vegetables. What? That makes sense because we 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 get our um, peaches and potatoes, sweet potatoes, and everything in pounds and boxes too. Yeah, we don't mm-hmm. go to the store. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. that was really the thing yeah. that made me start looking at what I'm doing with my fruits and vegetables and am I consuming all of it? And then if I'm not consuming it, what do I need to do with it? Right. And I'm like, I'm taking seeds. I'm looking up how I could take the seeds from the fruits and vegetables I already have and plant them because there's no reason for me to go and continuously get fruits and vegetables, you know, and not eat them all or not, you know, um, have some type of return on my investment, AKA, you know, my own garden. So they're giving away six, six, seven, eight, you know, pounds boxes of fruits and vegetables. I mean, I have perfected the tomato sauces to die for. Um, I have Mm. made, I have learned how to pickle cucumbers. Um, Mm -hmm. And okra. I mean, like my skill set, like I'm calling this, you know, the Candace becomes a housewife you know, skill set because I'm learning. <laughs> Make yourself ready. Girl, I'm, I'm making myself ready because I'm like, <laughs> we're like, I have bell peppers, right? That I'm going to roast and make a bell mm-hmm. pepper sauce just because I can, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of times we're cooking more. So the food that is being wasted by the farmers is not the food that, you know, is being mass consumed in the U.S., in my opinion. I don't think that has hit us. And again, it's going to hit the center aisles before it hits the meat, the fruits and the vegetables. Right. Because we have to use those items to make the cereals and to make the pastas and to make the flowers and to make all of those things. And, you know, the first thing that my mom asked me about my corn was, why are you growing corn? And who, what we going to eat mm-hmm. and what we going to do with this corn. And I'm like, first of all, corn goes into corn as grits. So we're going to dry some corn. Corn. Yeah, it's hominy. 
Uh-huh. Hominy. Mm. Uh, you know, so we can make some corn tortillas and, you know, we can make some corn chips <laughs> and we mm-hmm. can make cornmeal, corn syrup. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and mm-hmm. we can roast some corn. Like, what are you talking about? Ethanol <laughs> comes from corn, which is why the mm-hmm. corn farmers here in Ohio, ethanol comes from corn. And see, she had to school me on that because I was like, what you talking about? Yes, for- <laughs> Gasoline. That's for your tractors, your trucks and everything. Here's my dilemma. So, you know, a few years ago, a couple years ago, probably about three years ago, I found out um, that I had food allergies and mm. I had food allergies to mm. processed foods. Um, to all the grains that weren't ancient grains. So like corn and rice was pretty much the only Mm. grains that I could eat. You know, they was like, it's what you eat. It's a delayed reaction because your body's trying to process it and Mm. it's not able to process what you're eating. And so that's when the realization of, Mm. you know, eating clean is actually a necessity. Mm. And, you know, the only meat that I can eat is really fish, which I grow tired. (laughs) I bet. I know mm-hmm. I'm just one case, but again, if you go to those people who are living the lifestyle of eating clean, they're eating the more natural mm-hmm. items that are necessity, the true necessity for life. And so, you know, the urban gardeners and people just putting up the garden. So um, I have, my cousin has a garden. She started the garden. My other friend is started. my other two friends are starting gardens in their house and yeah. in their in their backyards um you know my mm-hmm. aunt I think two of my aunts uh, my grandmother doesn't want to start a garden because she's gonna have to care for it so that's not gonna happen but you know the remembrance of our history and being mm-hmm. able to survive off the land is very prominent right now you mm-hmm. know so you know i i mm-hmm. empathize with the farmers with all this you know livestock but the necessity for yeah. my life does not require it. it. It breaks my heart what's happening to our farmers right now. It, it just, it's just heartbreaking. It really is. To see the hard work just go to hell, basically. And it's, it's hard mm-hmm. because nobody right now is thinking about the farmers. You know, we're thinking about distracted with everything else but we're not thinking about our food source yeah and there are like local black owned farms that like lists of them you know thanks for sharing Candace that you know you can look up and find if there's any in your area um, like Metro Atlantic Urban Farm or Bed-Stuy Farm Share here in New York you know that are that have been growing, have been producing, you know, vegetables and fruit and that are available for people. Um, so it'd be great to support them because like we say, you know, the, the, you know, it's not really going out to the restaurants and the hotels or anything. This is local and, you know, we should be using some of these local references and local farms, try to keep them, you know, in business as much as possible. And one of the things that like, I like to think about, you know, how self-sustainable would it be, right? So, you know, so that hard times hit, we're going to be good. 
we may not have the internet, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you think the worst of the worst, I can't go out, I can't do this, that, or the other, you know, uh, Michelle's apocalypse comes. Well, you know what? I'm going to still yeah. have water. I have, you know, food because I know how to go from the land. I have Michelle who's going to go and get the meat. I have, you Just want know. me to skin it and fill dress it <laughs> and then package it and send it to you. <laughs> I do. I do. Mimi, you didn't start, you didn't uh, ask how do you even start a garden? Like, where, where do you start? Well, I'm so happy and excited to, to hear you talking about farming. And I was going to ask you, um, before we wrap up and leave, is there any information or suggestions that you would have for people on who are interested in farming or starting their own garden? Like, any information that would help them to uh, to really get started? I'll go first this time. <laughs> oh, <yay. laughs> um, so, you know, I started my garden without really a plan in place. The plan was to start it and grow stuff. And um, there's a lot more intentionality that is needed, especially, um, you know, here in Arizona, you have to know your, you have to know your atmosphere to know what's going to grow and how it's going to grow. And, you know, so you know where to plant it. And these are all Mm -hmm. things in which I did not take into account at all. I opened seed packages, put it in some dirt that I bought in a pot (laughs) that I bought and they started growing. And then I was like, uh uh-oh they're growing. And now what do I do? (laughs) So like I'm three weeks into reversing everything that I did to try and figure out how to continue to grow, but make them grow outside in a healthy, appropriate way. Um, You know, I think it just depends on where you want to grow it. If you plan on having an internal garden, then you definitely need to be in a place of a lot of sunlight because direct and indirect sunlight will make it grow. Have a watering schedule and don't plant the whole seed packet. Get a couple of seeds off the seed packet because you will have a you will have a jungle (laughs) sooner than later uh and so just take some time and preparation maybe don't choose 20 vegetables just a suggestion because i chose about 20 (laughs) don't choose 20 vegetables right you know i not to begin with right not to begin with you know i i am the person who uh does too much but then does too much very well so you know of course i did it and succeeded But I'm not telling the average person to do that. You know, you're not me. Stay in your greatness lane, right? Because it's more difficult than what it looks. You know what I'm saying? It really is. It it is. But if you do plant excessively, don't take that Mm -hmm. as a failure. Just take it as a learning curve and adjust. Absolutely. Farming is all, Mm -hmm. or raising a garden or farming is all about patience. Mm-hmm. taking the time mm-hmm. to I agree with Candace knowing what's in season when you should plant what you should plant in season in that season um, like right now I usually plant my um, tomatoes and beans and um, whatever else after Mother's Day right is when I put everything in the ground but since Mother's Day was rained out and we had a, a frost I mean, we had snow. <laughs> I can't put anything in the ground, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. I totally agree with everything Candace is saying, that you have to know your soil. You have to know 
you know, not to overwater. You have to know exactly when to garden and um, how to care for it. A lot of old farmers used to garden from um, what they called the new and old old uh, moon. And they would mm -hmm. garden like that. Um, but that's an old wives thing. But um, no, 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 it's not because I, you know, in, in doing my research and trying to figure out how to correct my, my current mistakes, um, I found the farmer's almanac. Did you? And I did. I found a farmer. There's this thing called the farmer's almanac and you can find yeah. it. I'm probably saying that wrong, but you can find it on the internet. There's a website. It will literally tell you according uh -huh. to the city that you live in, the you know, in the season, uh -huh. what to grow and give you, you know, some insight on how to grow it. And yeah. so I, I'm using my resources. Yeah. <laughs> you have your own compost? I started a compost. I did. Okay. Yeah, I started because I mean, again, I got too many. I got all these fruits and vegetables, and you know, I have been on a, a all natural kick. So you know, we have a recycling process in the house. Um, we have fruits and vegetable okay. composting in the house. Like I'm like, is it? You know, our trash has gone down majorly. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And see, these are things that would come out of COVID. Like you're going to keep doing it. You can start your own garden now in a pot. You can. Well, I, I did put some um, uh, scallions in some water so that it could grow. You know, I did that. <laughs> you know, when you put the bottom of the scallions in water and they keep growing, mm -hmm. I did that. And then I got some basil in a bag. You know how they have like little little pellets of dirt and you just add water to it and you chop it up and then you got a garden in a bag. I'm going to grow yeah. some basil. Uh, but I do not have a green thumb. I usually kill stuff like either overwater it or like I had some tomato plants my friend gave me. And they, they dried up. They dried up pretty bad. Remember, it doesn't matter if it dies. You can do it again. Yeah. I, I wish there were more black women farmers. I, I really do. I wish, but I also wish there were more women farmers in general. That's what we're missing. You know, it's a man's mm -hmm. corporation farming. And like you said about owning land, I mean, I would probably be more inclined to invest in farming land, you know, so like, we have people out here who are still sharecropping or they're farming land. Copy your sharecropper. Is that what you're telling me? I'll, I'll I buy the land and you can farm it. <laughs> Honey, I will family. too. I will put in on that because you know what? I know my family. limitations. Like we're family. We go in on it together. Right. It's not sharecropping. You're just a sharecropper. You're the functional part of the deal. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> like you can actually know how to make it work. Great. <laughs> yeah, but you can hire people, but we won't put money to it. Right. See, I'm more, I, I, I wish I was more crop farmer, but I, I like livestock more than crop farmer. Well, I mean, like <laughs> you said, you could package and ship the meat to us. So we, we, we need to talk about I will this eat your meat. I think this could be a family sustainable, you know, then. Oh, so God. Great. Mm -hmm.
Thank you. Oh, but thank you for sharing your knowledge of black lady farming. It was fun and exciting. Absolutely. I just want more people to farm and garden. At least grow like two two plants, two vegetables so me? to start out with. Yeah. Yeah, like a yes. tomato plant. Tomato plants are easy. Them. You can grow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go get some more. Yeah. And, and read. Look, go get some more and read the instructions. Yeah, they have like a little plastic tab that goes with a tomato plant that says, <laughs> okay, you water every two or, you know, whatever. All right. Remember, you want to stay, you want to stay um, connected to the earth. So it's not just to grow vegetables. Oh, it is yeah. to go through the process. Yes. I'll to talk vegetables. to it. I'll talk. Yes. I talk to my all the time. Me too. Oh, excellent. And I'm going to do the basil. The first thing I'm going to do is basil. Good. Okay. That'll be good. Well, it was awesome talking to you guys. Yes, you too. I'm glad we got the crew together. It was so good to see y'all. I want to say thank you again to Michelle and to Candace for participating in today's show and sharing their stories with us. I really hope our listeners were able to grasp some points and tips that they can use in their daily lives when gardening or even just acknowledging their food sources. I want everyone to be sure to follow Improper Mimi wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I also want to close out today's show acknowledging that this past week was a hard one with the murder of George Floyd, protests across the nation, and the conversations that have followed since then. So many folks are fed up and rightfully so. But please be safe out there, my friends. Protect yourselves and keep telling black stories.